Hello, and welcome to the Minimalist Moms Podcast. I'm Diane. I'm a mother of three living in Columbus, Ohio. I'm trying to make room in my life for what matters by getting rid of the clutter and living life with purpose. I hope you'll join me on the journey to think more and do with less. Today, I bring you my conversation with author and fellow podcaster, Stephanie Safarian. Stephanie speaks on topics such as sustainability, minimalism, zero-waste living, decluttering, parenting, and conscious consumerism. She recently released her first book, Sustainable Minimalism, and one of the topics she wrote about is how to achieve a low-waste home on a budget. She shares some eco-friendly behaviors that are free, ways to shift your spending mindset, how to flex your purchasing power as a consumer, and how to avoid greenwashing and more. But before we get to the conversation, I just wanted to share some exciting news with you all. For those of you who don't follow along on social media, I am actually going to be a published author on March 16th. My first book, Minimalist Moms, will be releasing to the public. So this was something that was slightly out of the blue last year, a quarantine project, if you will. But I'm so excited to share this book with you all. I'll be sharing a little bit more in the coming weeks, but if you like the minimalist mantras that I've had on the show before, you're going to really like this book. All right, that's all for now. So here's my conversation with Stephanie. Stephanie, thank you so much for joining me on the Minimalist Moms podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Diane. I had a blast the last time I was on and I am so excited to do it again. Yeah, I was going to say that you had joined me previously on episode, I think it was 90 or 92, but you spoke about sustainable minimalism and now you have a book with the same name. Yes. Oh my goodness. I'm not just a podcaster, but an author and that's about to be you as well, I believe. So congratulations. Oh, thank you. You too. This is an exciting year so far, 2021 with both of our books being published. Well, mine being published soon and yours being published, but I want to go back just a little bit. I want to hear a little bit more how your book came to be and maybe just introduce yourself to listeners that hadn't heard you the first time around. Sure. Uh, My name is Stephanie Safarian. I am a mother of two girls. I am a former teacher and I am a minimalist who podcasts over at the Sustainable Minimalist Podcast all about minimalist living, but more specifically minimalism in a way that doesn't just entail throwing all your perfectly good stuff in the trash can, hence sustainable minimalism. So I podcast with a heavy eco-friendly slant. And my book, aptly titled the same title as my podcast, Sustainable Minimalism, is all about decluttering with the planet in mind, embarking on small incremental steps towards eco-friendliness in ways that aren't expensive and aren't overly time-consuming, and also about ways in which you and I can be a more conscious more conscious consumers in a culture and a society that just glorifies purchases. Absolutely. And I highly recommend your podcast for the listeners that aren't familiar with you, because I do think there's such a benefit to living more of a eco-friendly or just sustainable, conscious lifestyle. And I don't think that you have to change everything in order to make a difference. And that's somewhat what I want to talk about today, just how we can make this attainable, how we can have zero waste or just more of a sustainable lifestyle not seem so tricky and unattainable because I think that we hear that someone has 
put all of their trash into one little mason jar and we immediately write it off as something that we can't do because it seems like we're parents, we're moms. And how are we supposed to be able to do that? But I think with books like yours, we can see that it's just small little changes here and there that we can do in our day to day that do add up. I totally agree with you. I think that fitting all your trash in a jar is super admirable, (laughs) but I am not there. I don't know if I will ever be there. I don't know if that's anywhere I even aspire to be. I have two children. And so for me, sustainable minimalism is about incremental little baby steps towards just doing better. It's not about being perfect. It's not about being, oh gosh, amazingly great. It's just about assessing where you are and striving to do a little bit better than you did yesterday. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And I did have a series back at the end of the summer in 2020 on sustainable minimalism. I guess it was more so sustainability and fast fashion. But today I want to talk more practicals on how to do it on a budget. I feel like that's something I didn't touch on last summer. And I think it's so important to make it, like I said, accessible to the average mom, just little tricks here and there that make a big impact. So my first question for you would be, what are some eco-friendly behaviors that are free? (laughs) I love the word free. So I'd love to hear some of your tips here. So I want to say that before I answer your question, that yes, um, you know, sustainability at its most fundamental level is a frugal act, right? Like being sustainable is all about reducing your consumption, reusing what you have. And so when you really break it down, sustainability, eco-friendliness is about saving money. However, in 2021, we have created this, and when I say we, I mean advertisers and marketers have created this fear around eco-friendliness in which you have to have excess money in order to quote unquote be eco-friendly. And a couple examples of that would of course be the hybrid car, which the hybrid car boasts significantly fewer tailpipe emissions or an even better example would be an electric car, which boasts zero tailpipe emissions. But the sticker price for just for that hybrid car is almost $4,500 more than its conventional counterpart, right? So that's just one example about how eco-friendliness has a reputation and rightly so of being for those people amongst us with a disposable income. And I really want to bust that way of thinking and make eco-friendliness for everybody, regardless of your income, regardless of your skin color, regardless of your background. I believe that eco-friendliness is for all of us because the planet is for all of us. And so that's a really long way of getting to your question, which was what are some ways that we could all be eco-friendly for free? And I've got a bunch of them. We'll start with I don't know. We'll start with the laundry because that's, I'm guessing, something that all your (laughs) listeners do every single day. Mm -hmm. One thing you can do that's super helpful for the planet and also super helpful for your wallet is to clean your lint trap in your dryer. Because when your lint trap is clean, so do it every time that you put stuff in your dryer, doing so every time reduces drying time, 
which wastes less electricity. It also saves your clothes because they're not susceptible to so much heat. Mm. And so it's free. It doesn't cost any money to clean your lint trap, throw the lint in the trash and dry your clothes. That's just one. I could go on forever. <laughs> you want, I'll, give you, I'll give you two more and then you can tell me if you want some more. No, I love that one in particular. We just had an episode on the Minimalist Moms podcast about laundry and what a simple tip. I wish I would have added that in the show because that is such, again, such a benefit to save electricity, but it just takes one little extra step that's not going to take any time. So I love that. Uh, Yeah. And along the same line of not taking extra time, not costing any money is to, we all browse the internet, right? So instead of going to Google to search, go to Ecosia, and I'm going to spell that. It's E-C-O-S-I-A.com. It's a free, really great search engine. But every time you search, you are planting a tree. So super simple, super free, and you're helping the environment. Love it. All right. What's something else? Maybe give me one more. Okay. One more. Okay. This is one I should say right off the bat that I didn't think of. My father actually (laughs) told me about it and it's to turn down your water heater. This is amazing because most of us rarely, if ever need our water at its hottest temperature, right? Like we don't need water at its hottest temperature to clean the dishes. We don't need water at its hottest temperature to shower. So it's as simple as going to your water heater, turning the knob down a little bit. And by the way, for your listeners, the standard temperature for most water heaters is about 140 degrees. That's Fahrenheit, obviously. But if you just adjust it 10 degrees to 130 degrees, or in my house, I've even noticed that 120 degrees, I don't notice a difference when I shower. You're not going to feel or experience a difference in the heat of the water, but you're going to save so much money on your heating and electric bill. If electricity is how you heat your water, it might be oil, but that's another story for another day. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're also going to be significantly doing your part to help the planet. No, another great tip. Again, I think that we don't realize how easy some of these things are. And again, what a benefit in the long term, especially if more than one of us is doing that. And there is that quote, I'm I'm sure you've said it before, but we don't need uh, what actually now I'm going to butcher it. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yes. We, oh God, now I'm going to butcher it. It's uh, (laughs) we need a million people doing zero waste imperfectly is essentially the purpose. We don't need a hundred people doing it perfectly. We need a lot of people doing it imperfectly. Yeah. There we go. Yes. I love that quote. So here on the Minimalist Moms podcast, we are pursuing a minimalist lifestyle. So do you think that there is a correlation between minimalism and sustainability? I totally believe that sustainability, minimalism, and frugality are all connected because at the end of the day, all lifestyles are based in reduction. Mm -hmm. I'm going to just spell it out, right? Sustainability is reducing unnecessary waste and impact on the planet. And minimalism is reducing unnecessary everything, mental space, time, energy in your personal life. So all of these lifestyles are at their most fundamental levels about being intentional in our choices, cutting out the fat and living a more mindful existence. Absolutely. 
So what are some ways we can be more conscious consumers? Yeah, that's a great question. And I think it's one that all of us in the minimalist sphere, you, I, and all the other minimalist influencers out there, we really need to talk about this because it's one thing to talk about decluttering. And I talk about decluttering all the time on my own platform. But if we talk about decluttering without talking about conscious consumerism, I almost feel as though we're really just perpetuating the habit of buying and purging and buying and purging. So I definitely think that conscious consumerism is not just an important topic, but a vital topic. And I have a bunch of tips. The first one is to really know your purchasing power, right? So you and I and all of the consumers listening right now, which is everybody, we have power as consumers. We are a collective. And when we make the choice to spend money on products and services that are aligned with our values, we are going to amplify those companies, those initiatives, those missions that are doing right. Mm -hmm. So there's a bunch of resources to help you and I do that because I know that having free time is a privilege. And so having the time to research the companies and find the ones that are doing right and then supporting them, like that's hard. So there are a bunch of resources to help you. And I'm just going to name two that I use almost daily. The first is the Environmental Working Group. That's ewg.org for anybody who doesn't know it. It's a nonprofit, nonpartisan organization that really helps me as I seek to reduce chemicals in my product. And I should also say that the EWG operates under the assumption that when people are healthier, the planet is healthier. So if you have a beauty product, a makeup product that you're not sure whether it's good for you, whether it's good for the planet, you just go to EWG.com, type it in, and the EWG will give you a nonpartisan, nonprofit score based on its own research. So it's an amazing research resource, excuse me. It's an amazing resource. Another one that I use all the time is buymeonce.com. It is, <laughs> it's, I love its mission. I mean, we live in a disposable society. We are, as a society, are wealthy. So if we buy a blender for, you know, X amount of dollars and it breaks after 50 uses, we don't necessarily care so much because we can buy another one for X minus $10, right? The cost of products is so cheap in 2021 that when, th when things break after a few uses, we don't even bat an eye. And that is a huge problem. Buymeonce.com is trying to combat that by creating a site where you type in the product you need. So let's go with the example of the blender. You type in blender and it's going to give you blender recommendations with the best guarantees, the best warranties, the most, the most responsible manufacturing processes. And you can buy your new blender through buymeonce.com if you'd like, but you don't have to. You can then take that recommendation and then search for sales and deals and get that blender recommendation elsewhere. So that's, I guess, my first tip is to really flex your purchasing power as a consumer. We are so trained to just go to Amazon, type in our thing, swipe and buy now. It's at your doorstep in um, two days, right? Mm -hmm. So 
But I think that we might be missing the point when we just unconsciously buy because we're not tapping into our collective power as consumers. I love that you shared that site. I honestly have never heard of it before, but it just reminds me of something that I talk about all the time, and that's quality over quantity. And I think sometimes when we are purchasing quality, it may be a a little bit more expensive on the front end, but in the long term, we're not buying quantity. We're not buying several blenders and we are buying that one that has the best guarantee. And obviously nothing is foolproof, hundred percent guaranteed. But I think just again, taking these steps and just being a little bit more intentional about where we're spending our money, uh, that is going to be more long lasting. I, I love that. I love that site. I'm so glad you shared that. One of the things that has been really helpful to me as a minimalist is setting a budget. Alongside of choosing not to impulsively spend, a budget also guides me in the areas that I've already intentionally set. It's a new year and a lot of people are looking to rein in the spending and stick to a budget and that's why I've been recommending Cube Money. People come to Cube Money to solve problems such as not successfully sticking to a budget over a long period of time, not saving enough money to reach goals, unplanned spending and purchases, or problems with relationships when it comes to money. Cube Money is an app that works like the envelope system. Have you ever wished you could practice the cash envelope system but without having to carry around cash or just fear that you may lose it? Well, this is the perfect app for you. It brings that philosophy into the 21st century with the designated Visa debit card that spins and debits from whatever category you assign. Cube Money helps people stick to a budget, save more money, spend with purpose and intention, and strengthen relationships around money. If this sounds like a system that would work for you, visit cubemoney.com minimalist. Visit Cube Money with a Q and create an account for free today. All right. So what are some ways that we can shift our spending mindset? Because I know that can be really difficult, especially for people when they're first kind of starting out in their minimalist pursuits. That's an awesome question. And it's so important because you and I and consumers all over the globe, we really have been conditioned, right? To seek out those items with the cheapest price, uh, the lowest price tags. Maybe there's a sale that entices us in. And I argue that succumbing to those deals is really just us going against our best interests. Because despite our collective wealth, our collective societal wealth, and I know that there are listeners listening right now and are saying, wait a minute, I'm not wealthy. And I'm not necessarily talking about individuals, but I am to talk, I am talking about us as a society. We are collectively wealthy. And despite the collective wealth, Americans tend to buy cheap stuff, right? Mm-hmm. We're buying the cheap furniture. We're buying um, the synthetic clothes that pill mm-hmm. and fade and stretch after a couple wears. So When we shift our spending mindset, it does mean investing in quality. And I know when I say invest in quality, people are thinking, oh my gosh, but that means spend more money. And so I have some tips in that regard. Number one is know that the cheapest price is not always or almost never the fair price. So when we're seeking out the cheap price for, let's say, a sweater, it's important to remember that there are human ethics at play, first and foremost. There are actual humans, there are workers who made the item. And when you're paying the cheapest price, 
it's more than likely that those actual humans were not paid fair living wages. They likely worked in an unhealthy environment. Um, and then there are the numerous environmental issues like toxic waste disposal and waterways, et cetera, et cetera. So first of all, we need to rethink the sale price, the cheapest price, the seek out the deals. That's number one to, for when we talk about shifting our mindset. We need to remember that there are actual humans on the other side of this transaction. Mm -hmm. The second piece of advice I have when it comes to shifting your mindset is to consider the cost per wear philosophy. What that essentially means is that a large sticker price can be really daunting to a lot of people because price is a major factor in most people's purchasing decisions. But if you consider the cost per wear philosophy, it's a realistic means of, I would say, mitigating sticker shock. Now, I'm going to give you an example here. Let's say I purchased a 100% wool sweater for $100. We're going to go with $100 because the math is easy, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? Okay, so 100% wool sweater for $100. Wool is a 100% natural fiber, which means it's going to withstand the test of time. It also means it is a, it is probably one of the best, if not the best natural insulators, right? So it's going to really actually do its utility of keeping me warm. Mm -hmm. I can realistically get 10, let's just say, let's just err on the side of caution and say, I can get 10 wears out of this $100 sweater. The cost per wear then for that wool sweater would be $10 a wear. I absolutely know, and anybody who's ever worn a wool sweater before knows you're not going to get just 10 wears. You're going to get more like 100 wears out of it, mm -hmm. which would then bring the CPW down to one. But we'll go with 10. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now we're going to compare that wool sweater to a fast fashion synthetic sweater, right? And let's say it's on sale for just... I don't know, $25, okay? That sounds great, a sweater for $25, right? And let's say you can wear it five times. That's a CPW of $5 a wear before that sweater then pills and the garment gets all unshapely and it's no longer all that attractive, right? Those synthetic fibers also aren't nearly as well-made and aren't nearly as insulating as the wool sweater. So that sweater, by the way, is not keeping you as warm as the wool one. But so even though the $25 sweater was four times cheaper than the wool one, if you reframe that purchase in terms of cost per wear, then the cheap sweater looks way less appealing because the wool one has a significantly higher CPW. And I'm not even going to stop this there. I'm going to say one more thing, which is for those of your listeners who are listening right now and are saying, you're so tone deaf, Stephanie, I don't have $100 to spend on a sweater. I would say, I hear that. How about you check out a secondhand store? Have you checked out Poshmark for 100% wool sweaters? How about ThreadUp? How about your local mom and pop secondhand store? down the street, you're not going to be then spending $100 on a wool sweater. You're going to be spending a fraction of that. You're going to be getting a quality piece that's going to last you the test of time, and you're going to be saving money in the process. Absolutely. I love that you're saying all this because I don't feel like I've ever addressed it before, but 
it is a huge mind shift from what we're sold in culture, but gosh, what we do reap the reward in the end, I think. And so do others. So what are maybe a few last tips or just thoughts that you can share in regards to pursuing a sustainable minimalist lifestyle on a budget? I know that you mentioned in your book, greenwashing or third-party certification. So I kind of want to hear a little bit more about those things. Sorry, that's several questions shot your way. So I'll let you kind of sort through what you want to say. I am so here for all of that. (laughs) Um, I guess we'll start with Greenwashing. In the realm of conscious consumerism, it's really important that you and I and consumers everywhere understand that marketers understand that consumers have a desire for eco-friendly products. And because marketers know that, they are marketing and advertising their products as eco-friendly, even if they're not at all eco-friendly. And as somebody who's been in this game, in the eco-friendly game for four years now, it's really quite astonishing to see what I've seen, to see what companies are leading with and how their initiatives are so astoundingly not eco-friendly. So for anybody listening who doesn't know what greenwashing is, greenwashing is essentially a marketing ploy that promotes a a perception, excuse me, that an organization is eco-friendly when it's not. And greenwashing occurs all the time. It's when the company spends more time talking about its eco-friendliness and then also raises the price or prices of its products because it's quote-unquote eco-friendly. Also, at the same time, minimizes the practices, the business practices, the manufacturing practices that are actually environmentally detrimental. So It can be explicit. Greenwashing can be really explicit, but it can also be really implicit. So I would suggest for anybody who is trying to be more eco-friendly, but is also on a budget, which let's be real, that's me, that's you, that's everybody, uh, reach out to me and I'll give you my honest opinion on whether X product or Y product is actually sustainable or if it's actually just glorified greenwashing because it's really tricky out there. It's hard. I've talked with so many listeners to my own show who want to do better, want to support the right companies, and they don't know which companies to support because greenwashing is just so prevalent. And a way to help you with the greenwashing conundrum is to trust those reputable certifications. So you've likely seen on products, these labels, they're usually a logo. (laughs) Um, It's usually front and center. Um, It's a picture without any explanation. And if you've seen these logos before, you've probably thought to yourself, well, what the heck is this? It looks important. I guess this is good. Let me put it in my cart. (laughs) And that's what I've done so many times in my life. but those certifications actually mean something. And when a brand or when a product is third-party certified, it really does say something powerful about that brand. I would say that it's not another marketing ploy. It's a really long, arduous process in most cases for a product or a brand to get third-party certified. Mm-hmm. I will say also with the topic of this episode that 
those products that are third-party certified are likely more expensive than their conventional counterparts. So that's something to keep in mind. But some of the labels to look out for are certified B Corporation certified, Fair Trade certified, Forest Stewardship Council certified, that's FSC, Global Organic Textile Standard certified, that would be the GOTS, G-O-T-S, Made Safe certified, and finally USDA Organic. So those are just some of all the certifications out there. But in the, for the purposes of this episode, just know that those certifications mean something. So when you see them on products, pay, pay special attention. I had no idea about any of this. Well, I'm happy that I came on. <laughs> well, Stephanie, there was so much shared here that I think people can really digest and figure out what route they want to start to take when they pursue sustainability in their own lives. But I want them to reach out to you and grab a copy of your new book. So where can they do that if they want to do so? Thank you so much, Diane. My podcast is The Sustainable Minimalists. It is found wherever you listen to podcasts. And my book is Sustainable Minimalism, and it can be found on ebook, on audiobook, in print form. Definitely check out your library. And you, if you want to purchase it, you can purchase it wherever books are sold. Perfect. Well, as we wrap things up here, I'm going to ask you the two questions that I ask every guest. And the first one is, what is something that you're simplifying right now, aka what is your minimalist moment of the week? My minimalist moment of the week. So I should say right off the bat that I had a terrible day today <laughs> uh, work-wise. So I just decided I was going to minimize the terribleness, shut down my computer and make dinner with my kids. And usually making dinner with my kids is stress-inducing, but the heavens above opened and making dinner with my kids tonight was actually the most wonderful part of my day. So I hope that answers your question. No, it does. I feel like the times that I choose to get off my phone or get off my computer, whether it's a work-related thing or just something related to what I've seen that I don't want to see, you can tell how much it shifts your mood and just your mindset when you get away. So my last question for you is what is something that you can't stop talking about? Okay. <laughs> Bridgerton. Bridgerton. How do you say it? Bridgerton. I've heard of this and I have no idea how to say it, but I have heard of this. This is a show on Netflix, correct? Yes. And I do not have the appropriate British accent. It's Bridgerton. I'm going to try one more time. It is, oh my goodness. It is what every minimalist mom during a pandemic needs. Just go watch it if you haven't yet. Oh no, I don't have Netflix anymore. <laughs> I want I want to watch that and I want to watch Emily in Paris. I'm about to get Netflix again because I've heard such good things about both of those shows. So you may have pushed me over the edge. Well, Stephanie, thank you so much for coming on here. You're so knowledgeable about all of this. You can really tell that you have put in the time to really study and learn what it means to live sustainably. And you do walk your talk. And I just appreciate that. So thank you for coming on the show today. I so appreciate you having me a second time. Thank you so much, Diane. What did you think of the interview? I think one of my best tips to live a low waste or just a sustainable lifestyle in general would be to shop secondhand. This is something that I really dove deeper into in 2020. I know that you can definitely get away with it a little bit better when your kids are little, but even for yourself, like Stephanie was saying during the interview, 
If you're looking for a wool sweater, instead of spending $100, try a secondhand shop or try ThreadUp or Facebook Marketplace. Be resourceful. This is the time to experiment, trial and error, and it really is worthwhile. What are your thoughts about this conversation? I'd like to know. I invite you to keep the conversation going at minimalistmomspodcast.com. There you'll find links to the Instagram account, Facebook page, links to the new book, and where you can find me all around the web. Thank you for joining up on this journey. I wish you a lovely week as you think more and do more.